Good morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and it is my privilege to be with you here this morning. Um, We are in a series called Faithful Presence, and it's my privilege to be here and bring the next, uh, it's a series of disciplines, and the next discipline in this Faithful Presence series is the discipline of reconciliation. You know, I um, want to read a quote by one of the books that we've been studying as we've gone through these disciplines as we start this morning. It's from David Fitch, and it says this, Faithful presence names the reality that God is present in the world and that he uses a people faithful to his presence to make himself concrete and real amid the world's struggles and pain. That's a powerful quote. And I know we got lots of things going on in the world, broken world, struggles and pain. And you know, because I deal with children, I just think, man, if we would just all get on board with what we do with kids, we just need to do what we do with kids. I've been a parent. Some of you've got nieces and nephews and parents. We, we kind of think we got it figured out with kids. This is what we do. Kids are fighting. We say, stop fighting. One punches the other when we say, stop fighting. And we say, did you just punch your brother? says, no. I said, yes, you did. I saw you punch your brother. You just punched your brother. And then we say, because we have a process, we say, say you're sorry. And they go, I'm sorry. And because we have another process, you know what we do next. Say it like, you've, you've, used, the, you've used the process. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, say it like you mean it. And then they go, I'm sorry. And we go, good. And then what do we do next? Someone's done it here. Kiss and make up. That's what we do. Kiss and make up, and they go in for the kiss and make up, and, you know, sometimes someone bites someone in the kiss and make up, and we got to say, do it again, and do it like you mean it. If we just, if it was just as simple as that, and you know what, even that, we did it, but it didn't work, did it? Five minutes later, we were doing the whole process, stop fighting. And so, you know, I come to this message this morning And I just need to tell you something right up front. This message has been very hard for me. This message on reconciliation has been, it's been a heavy week. And there's been a few of us that as we've come to this, we've been praying, it's been hard. And there's been a, there's been struggle, there's been tensions. And I think it's because reconciliation is such a loaded word. Such a loaded word. And for some of us, it, we're passionate about something when we think about reconciliation. It brings that, some cause that we're passionate about. For others, it's painful because we're thinking of a relationship. For others, it's hopeful because we've got hope for reconciliation. And some, it's just dread. And some, we've blocked it away for so long that we don't even realize that it's there. Some of you might have looked at what the message was going to be on this morning and, and hesitated. I don't know. Do I want to go hear that or not? I just thank you that you did come. If you had any of those doubts in your mind, I pray that God, I believe God has something for us here this morning, each of us. And though I would never get up here if I didn't realize and believe that the Holy Spirit's the one that really does the work. So I will bring what he's laid on my heart and know that he truly does the work. But you know what? Because we have those lenses, I'm going to ask you to do something. Because we might come this morning with that lens of, when I hear reconciliation, all I think of is this broken relationship. Or when I hear reconciliation, all I think of is this cause and this passion that I just have so deeply on me. 
And if, if we hold that right in front of us, we are going to hear everything this morning through that lens. Not that we can actually do much about that, but here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you carefully and just mentally take that which rose up in you in emotion, and it's important, but would you take that and just set that gently, honor it, we're not going to ignore it, but just set it aside and care for it here so that we can open our, our hearts and minds to what God wants to speak to us this morning. We're not going to leave it there. We're going to bring it back. But if you could just take that and set it there just so we can hear. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for each person that's gathered in this room. Lord, we know we're not here by accident, but we're here to hear from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you want to teach us this morning. I pray, Lord, that if there are hearts of stone here today, that you would make these hearts soft so that we would hear your message and your message for reconciliation. I ask and pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. On October 8th, Pastor Bruce gave a message on proclaiming the gospel. And because the gospel is all about reconciliation, you're going to hear some things this morning and you're going to go, oh, didn't didn't we just talk about that? And yes, we did. But because proclaiming the gospel is a message of reconciliation, some of the things we need to go over. So you maybe could consider this like a part two. And as Bruce and I talked about it, this could actually be a whole series in itself. But as you hear those things, just know that, that you've heard some of them, and now we're going to dig a little deeper. One of the core values that guides us at Forest Grove Community Church, guides you, guides all that we say and do, are our, our values. And one of them is relationship. I just wanted to read you what relationship says under the values on the website. You can see it there in, in, in the pamphlets. It says, relationships can be difficult and messy but they are absolutely crucial to our faith and central to the church. The hope of the gospel is lived in the context of a faith community. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, living in right relationship with others and inviting people back into right relationship with God. When our relationships with God, self, creation, and others are healthy and whole, we become relevant living models of our mission and of our mission here at Forest Grove Community Church, transformation in Jesus Christ. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20? We're going to look a little bit into what God talks about and tells us about reconciliation. And there it says, I'm reading from the NIV, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We need to hear that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So there's two dimensions in this passage. There's that vertical dimension, and that is for each of us that we need to be reconciled to God, reconciled, and Christ is that reconciled, we need to be reconciled to him. And then there's that horizontal dimension where he says, be reconciled to each other. And because you're reconciled to God, you will carry that as an ambassador, that ministry of reconciliation to others. In the message, it words it this way. It says, all this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. I like the way that says that. 
Common definition of reconciliation is this, the restoration of relationships and the action of becoming compatible with another. Well, those key words there are um, restoration and compatibility. I would like to say this morning, and I believe this to be true because I've seen it, we can actually not just be restored to what was, we can be restored to something better. The restoration of a relationship can be better. It can be what God wants for that, better than it was before. That's what we want to talk about today. But the root of the word reconciliation is conciliation. Now, this gets where it gets a little harder because in conciliation, what conciliation means is the action of stopping someone from being angry. So that's where our whole uh, thing falls short with kids, right? When we're saying, we force them to do it, and they say, I'm sorry, but they're angry. It says in true reconciliation, we actually have to stop being angry. Another attitude that comes up often when we're talking about reconciliation is the idea of, I don't care. I don't care. I haven't talked to my father in years, and I don't care. My sister and I had a fight three months ago, and we haven't talked, and I don't care. My son, I don't know what I did, but he hasn't talked to me in years, and you know what? I don't care anymore. I used to care, but it was too hard. I was let down too many times. I was hurt too many times, and I just don't care. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15, if we go up a little earlier than the reconciliation passage, it says this, For Christ's love compels us. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for him. So if we are followers of Jesus, there are two things that don't fit into this ministry of reconciliation. And those two things are two lies that we can sometimes believe. And these lies are, I can still be angry and be reconciled. I can still hold on to that anger. Or I don't care. I don't need reconciliation because I just don't care. When we come to this topic today, those are lies that we can't believe. Those are not what are in the true ministry of reconciliation. We were born to care. And if we don't care, do you know what? If we actually don't care, there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with you. And you know what? You might say, hey, wait a minute. Don't say there's something. There is something wrong with them. And yeah, there probably is. But when we talk about this ministry of reconciliation, we're talking about what is our part to work towards reconciliation. You know, one of the most difficult relationships I've ever had in my life, and I've shared it before with you, is my relationship with my dad. And just to uh, give a brief story of that, my, uh, I was raised by my mother and father, and my mother um, loved, they both loved me. My mother knew how to show love, and my father struggled in that area. Not that he didn't love me. I know that he loved me. I know that he loved his family. But my father was an alcoholic. And you know what? That addiction was just so controlling of his life that even though I know his intentions and he would have wanted to be, that was not the way it was shown. That was not the way it was shown. And so um, we, uh, when, when I was young, the, the, there was a lot of great things in my family. And I can say, you know what? I learned a lot of really good things from my dad. My dad's passed away. I wish, I wish you could meet him. There were so many great things about my dad. There's a lot of things that struggled in that relationship. So as his alcoholism just kind of took over more and more and more, um, as I was older, he left our family. And that's a common thing that can happen in those broken situations. He left our family with another woman. It's another common thing that can happen. And our family was broken. 
So after he left, we were trying to pick up the pieces. You know what? I, I'm ashamed to say this, but this is the truth. And I tried. There was 20 years that I didn't have any type of relationship that was positive with my dad. 20 years. Sometimes I would call him because I'd feel like I need to, I need to make that. And, and the response would be uh, something that actually hurt me. And that would rise up and I'd say, oh, I just got to protect myself again. I got to build up some more walls. I got to protect myself. Sometimes he'd call me and I could hear in his voice, oh man, he's drunk. But he'd say, I love you. And I'd say, okay, but he's drunk. And those would happen maybe bits and pieces in uh, six month periods at a time, maybe a year at a time. But in that 20 year period, Towards the end of that, my dad had a time where he sobered up. He sobered up through some help with some friends and through the AA program, and he had a time being sober. And you know what? It was really hard for him. And I'd like to say he had victory in that right till he died, but he didn't. But he did have this window of time where he sobered up. And that window of time was where actually faith came into his life. There was someone that had reached out, and we'd been praying for years, and my dad actually made reconciliation with Jesus, and I'm so thankful for that. But, you know, my dad struggled because even though he had made a mistake, he actually believed he was the mistake. And so he could have the forgiveness from God, but he just couldn't forgive himself. But in that 20-year period, towards the end, during this time, I actually, for the first time in my life, and the only time in my life, went to church with my dad. I remember it was like yesterday. I remember where we were. We were in Lawson Heights Alliance Church. We were sitting on the left side of the church, about the second pew from the back. There was my dad, there was me, and there was Elmer. And we're sitting there, and I remember it because something that Pastor Murray Bolt said at that time, my dad put his arm around me. He put his arm around me, and he put his hand on my shoulder. When he put his hand on my shoulder, it was just something like there was a warmth that went through my body. That hand on my shoulder, and he rubbed a little bit and said, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm so proud of you. You've grown up to be an amazing woman. All those things in that minute. So to say I don't care, I tell you at that moment, every inch of my body cared. Everything cared. As much as I wanted those 20 years to be absolutely gone and forget and say I don't care or I'm still mad, Every inch of my body cared that my dad's hand was on my shoulder. And the message of reconciliation that happened in that, I'll never forget that moment. Precious. Now here's the thing, did it carry on perfect like that? You know what, it it didn't. I'd like to say, oh, and then from then on it was happily ever after. It wasn't. But it was a moment of reconciliation that was powerful for me, and I know it was powerful for my dad. So my dad died after those 20 years, um, I just remember at the funeral, because he had kind of this life that we didn't know about, and, and that's another story, but I actually, my dad didn't want a funeral, and we, uh, we didn't listen to him in that, because I just thought we need to, we need to honor him, and I remember sitting at that, fun- being at that funeral and having whole half of the church that I didn't recognize and I didn't know, and kids that were calling my dad their grandpa that kind of knew him. And over here, my kids that actually knew he was grandpa, but I don't, they don't really know him. And I remember it that, but you know, that whole, which could be a mess, was one of the biggest journeys of reconciliation and healing for me. And actually, I give the eulogy. And I started with, I just, I just said, you know what? We all wish things would have been different. But no one wished that more than my dad. So what I'm going to challenge you with today 
is that let's not get to that time when we're at a funeral and we're saying, we all wished it would have been different. But no one wished it more than the person that's gone. And that's some of the hard realities that we want to talk about today. Christ's love compels us. Christ's love for you limits your options. It actually limits our options. He died for all for those, so that those that could live would no longer live for themselves. We actually don't live for ourselves. Here's a phrase, and I just hear this. If Christ did something that was uncomfortable for him, for you and for me. Uncomfortable. Wow, he died on the cross. Christ did something that was uncomfortable for him, for you, and now he is requiring of us to do something that is uncomfortable for us, for him. Not asking and saying, would you mind, would you mind? He's actually requiring of us to do something that's uncomfortable for us, for him. Through Christ, God removed every single obstacle to reconciling us with us, except us. Every single obstacle. You know what he didn't say? Hey, if you kind of show like you're a little bit repentant, yes, I'll go through with that whole thing of dying on the cross. I'll do it. Can you kind of, can I see? Are you going to come? Are you gonna, I'll do it. No. While we were still sinners, he did that. He did that while we were, he removed every single obstacle. You know what? We usually say, okay, okay, I'll meet you halfway. You know what? I'll come in. I'll own my stuff if you'll own your stuff. And, but if I get in that room and they start to put up that wall, and I am out of there. That's how we sometimes go into reconciliation. But he removed every obstacle with us except us. So if you are a Christ follower this morning, your life is a message. And if you aren't a Christ follower this morning, but you're wondering, I think this is okay, I just pray that those lives around you are good messages. Because that's what he calls us to. A few weeks back in the series, Pastor Bruce talked about three environments for God's faithful presence. And he did some drawings, and I asked him if I could use his drawings again this morning, and he said yes. So the first drawing is a drawing of a close circle. So there's a table in there. This is the close circle. This is the table of intimacy where believers gather, and all are in mutual submission to one another. You know, he, he, he drew the Lord's table. There is a reminder of we commune together. We are in community together. We are all submitted under Christ. This can be your church family. This can be your biological family if you're reunited that way. Anyone that is under the same submission to Christ that you are. So what does reconciliation look like in that environment? The verse I'm going to read next, there's lots of verses that we like to read that are, are, oh, that makes me feel good and warm and fuzzy. This verse kind of goes, oh, this is a hard verse. This is what I like reading the verse about, be joyful. God loves you. This verse is a little bit harder. So this verse goes like this, Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Some translations will say a Gentile. So I said, why would Jesus do this? Tell us all those lovey verses. Tell us all that stuff. Don't tell us. This is hard stuff. Why would he do this? Because we are a body. The church is a body. And when one part of our body is hurting, the body 
is hurting. And when one part hurts, we want to heal that. We want to bring, we want to restore that. We want to bring that person, that thing back. We want health for the body. So it's all about healing. It's all about bringing back that part of the body. Kind of four steps. There's a, a man named Tim Gettert, who is a, one of the professors at the MB Seminary in Fresno, California. I love his teaching on this, his interpretation on this. I've had the opportunity to sit under his teaching, and I'm going to challenge you with his teaching this morning. So the four steps are, first one person tries, then one or two more get involved, then the church gets involved, and then we're supposed to treat them like a tax collector. What does that mean to treat someone like a tax collector? Do you know what? Matthew, who wrote this gospel, he would understand what that means. He was a tax collector. So Tim Getter challenges us with this. He says, The desire to restore never stops. What changes between steps three and four is that when every attempt at reconciling fails, then we need to recognize the person is not living submitted to Christ. They are not walking in him. So they need to be loved back in. And loving them does not mean acceptance of what they're doing. It does not mean condoning. Sometimes we get, you know, if I love them, if I'm not, they're going to think I agree with them. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that they are leading or teaching in the body. They are hurting. And they need to be loved back in. They need reconciliation. So when someone says, I'm not going to listen to the church, then we say, we love you. Or someone at that intimate, close circle, we say, we love you, we invite you, but we recognize you are opting out of this discerning fellowship. But please know that you can be reconciled to God, and you can be reconciled to us. I want, I want that reconciliation. I want that restoration. Back to what was even better. The dotted circle. This is the next environment. And this is where believers, believers are welcoming people into their home. I like that, that Pastor Bruce drew a home there and possibly a self-portrait of him in his home. I'm not sure. But that is what he drew. And so that's the idea that believers welcome people into their environment. And here this morning, there may be some here that are believers. You're Christ followers and some that are saying, I'm just here kind of seeing what this is all about. I'm just here and I'm watching. He, in this environment... I would like to take us to our second step in our discipleship steps. Our first step is create community. Our second step in our discipleship steps is our experience and model Jesus' love. Because there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And our discipleship step is experience and model, modeling Jesus' love. So if you are a Christ follower, your entire life is a message. You are a new creation and you have the message of telling others that they can be reconciled to God. So I'd just like to ask us, what do people see in our relationships, in our close relationships, in our relationships where, yes, we're submitted under Jesus, what do people see? We need to be reminded that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do. So one of the fastest ways that he can take apart the body is by breaking up relationships. And we might think, oh, it, you know, we'd want to be okay if it just stays between two. But that's never how it happens. It never just stays in between two. But pretty soon, there's this side, and they're gathering people. There's this side, and the conflict grows, and there's more. And it's like cancer, and it just eats the living around it. And pretty soon, we have two sides or two teams that are just maybe not really verbalizing about their fighting. They are against each other. 
And it actually probably has nothing to do with themselves. They don't even maybe know what it's about. It's just that this is where I am. This is the side I'm on and this is how I think. This is how families are destroyed. This is how ministries are destroyed, how churches are destroyed. And if we stay in that broken state, we miss out on the storyline that God has for us. We miss out on that. And when people are here and they're watching, how can they possibly understand the reconciliation that's offered to them if they can't even see people reconciling to each other, what God calls us to, if they see us broken like that? The half circle is the other one, and this is like I call Bruce's like Kentucky Fried Chicken, kind of a takeout restaurant kind of looking thing. But it's the idea that out in the world where you're not the host, where you're not inviting people, when you go out into that world. Now, the the question is not whether God's presence is there. His presence is there. The question is, is his presence welcomed or not? So as you go out and as we go out into that hurt and broken world, is the presence welcomed? You're carrying the presence. It's already there, but is it welcomed there? So when you go out, we have a really big message that we need to carry in that. I'd like to go to Matthew 5, 9 in that, because that is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So when we go out into that hurt and broken world, our message has to be one of peace. It has to be one of peace, and when we go with a message of peace, and maybe in that message of peace, his faithful presence. And we go with the message and the calling people, you can be reconciled to God. Did you know you can be reconciled? When we come with peace, it's, it sounds different than we come with anger. When you go further down in that Matthew passage, it talks about salt and light. Another thing we're called to do out in that hurt and broken world is bring, be salt and bring light. Bringing the light of Christ and always walking in love and peace. You might say, you know what, yeah, that all sounds great. You talked about those three environments, but you know what, it's, it's not going to work. Actually, I kind of tried some of those things, and it doesn't work. Um, it'd be great if it did, but it, it doesn't work. So I want to tell you something that I know to be true. It will work because every attempt at reconciliation always works in someone. But most of the work will be done in you. Most of the work will be done in me. We can't guarantee the outcome. But the work will be done in us, us taking those steps. And it might be a work that has to continue. We like to think, oh, it's just I just check all, off all the lists and I get to the end there, restoration happens. You know what? It's kind of maybe possibly more like a cycle of reconciliation. Because sometimes we're doing it and then feelings will rise up and we need to say, I forgive them again. I want to, I pray about that. Help me to be into that, in that place of reconciliation, that heart of, help me to remove every single obstacle so that when they turn back, there's no obstacles. I'm ready just like Jesus removed, God removed those obstacles for me. Because if I can't extend to them that which has been given to me, how can they possibly see the gospel truth lived out? And if we as a body have tensions and conflict and fighting here, how can anyone who is here this morning, hoping that we are experiencing and modeling Jesus' love together, really see the gospel lived out? And you know what? It's not, it's not that if I feel like it, oh, if I love Jesus so much, I will do this. You know what? 
It's the opposite. It's because he loved us so much. His love compels us. It's required of us. And sometimes taking those steps are just taking those steps. And you may be saying this morning, um, no, if I, if I do that, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to get hurt. And you know what? There might be times of hurt. But then we remember, we have Christ with us, his strength and his healing to help us as we take those steps. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they're doing that, I want to ask you that thing that you set aside. That thing that I asked you to set aside this morning. Maybe now it looks different. Maybe now it feels different, or maybe now it's bigger. Because emotion was attached. It rose up for a reason. It's there for a reason. So I'm just going to ask, is God speaking to you about that relationship, about that step that you need to take, about forgiveness that you need to extend? Is he speaking to you about something that's empty and something that's broken and something that needs to be restored and reconciled? Maybe you'll say, I'm not ready to take that step yet. It's too big. Here's what I would say. What about if we said today, I want to take the step to asking Jesus to help me figure out how to take the step. Because then we truly are saying, Lord, I invite your faithful presence into this. And I know that through the supernatural work of his Holy Spirit, he will help you and guide you in that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this message of reconciliation. And Lord, you know what? I I actually thank you that this doesn't, make us comfortable all the time and we don't just sit easy with this we wrestle with this and that you help us with that and lord i just ask that we in this room that if those relationships are those areas or those passions that we have lord i just ask that if you would help to guide and direct and help us to move into those steps in rec- of reconciliation because it always works for someone we know it works in the hearts of us that take them so lord i just ask for your presence in our life and for you to work your presence in these people here. And Lord, if there's someone that's saying, yeah, I haven't actually even taken that first step of reconciliation with Jesus, Lord, I ask that they would um, take that step today, moving towards you, accept you as their Savior, forgiving their sins, and then become that messenger of reconciliation to others. Pray these things in your name, Lord.